pronounce your first name? Like, yeah, uh, so there's two different ways to say it. If if you were saying it casually, you would say Leaki with a K. Okay. Um, if like my father was speaking to me like in a proper way, uh, it would be Leati with a T. Okay. When you're around your relatives and you start to talk, um, do they say like you've you know you've lost your accent? Like you just said, your dad would say Leati, and I would say Leaki. Do they say, man, you've you've really your accent's gone or your your pronunciation? Oh, I've never had an accent. No? Yeah. So that that's kind of the weird part of me is so. Um, all my family's from the West Coast. Uh, so when my dad and uncle came from the island, they, they, they set up shop in California in the Bay. Uh, and then once he and his brother started wrestling, it was back in the territory days. So they would just kind of migrate from each region. And when he found the Panhandle and Alabama territory, he fell in love with Pensacola, Florida, which was just, it's just a small beach town. It's grown a bit over the years, um, but still nothing big, I think. So did you expect to play football? Was that when, when you were growing up, was that what you thought your profession would be? Oh, uh, well, it was kind of like, maybe three or four different so it was like wrestling from Mm -hmm. like the day i was born all the way to like seven but yeah it was like from one to seven was just wrestling we i mean we were coming up with different tag teams we triples i mean quads everything you know uh and then once i got into football probably about two or three years into it i was pretty all in and then once i got into high school and it became a reality that i was going to play college football that's what I knew I had to do. And it, it was mainly, I think, the wrestling side of our family motivated me even more mm-hmm. to get away from it, to kind of build my own name, um, to start my own story. And it just did not work out that way. And uh, whenever... Um, well, you played at Georgia Tech, right? I did. Can yeah. I ask you one question, though, before that? So having three sisters growing up, I could see you wanting to, to kind of get away and be around some, some guys. But as soon as you hit like high school, that seems like a really good thing to have three sisters oh. because of just the whole flock of their friends being around. Oh no, so yeah. you, you're right in some regard, but so it was kind of strange. You know, I went from being this tall to yeah. like 6'2", six, 6'3", six, and, and you know, people were looking at me differently mm-hmm. uh, at that time and my sister shut that down. Uh. She did not have that, um, but I will say I learned how to be a man from a woman, mm-hmm. you know. My mom taught me damn near everything. Um, and one thing about my mom was I wasn't, you know, scared of her physically, but there was just something about disappointing her mm-hmm. that was way worse than getting hit with a, you know, getting spanked or getting hit with a switch or whatever it may be. Like, me making her disappointed was like, it, yeah. it made me ill it, right it, it, that physically would hurt my feelings if if i made her disappointed so that was just something that always really you know stuck by me even to this day it, it still pushes me so you go to georgia tech and you're playing ball there and then you do play pro ball a hiccup yeah okay I mean, we'll say it yeah okay and so what drives you to to leave that what drives to, to drop that and then pursue a career in uh sports entertainment AKA so, pro wrestling, whichever they say these days, I don't know. All the above, all I the think, above? yeah. Okay. I'm a master of all the above. Okay. Uh, so I, I signed with um, the Minnesota Vikings mm-hmm. for uh, my free agency, rookie camp. I, I went up there for rookie camp, and that's where we did all our physicals, and, and that's where I got my initial blood work, and that's where I found out that, like, at the time I had, like, 70, 80,000 white blood cells, no clue what was going on, um, and... They sent me back home, and that's where I, we were first diagnosed with leukemia. You so, were 22, correct? Oh, yes. I, uh, 
it, I mean, you know, for a 22 year old with just right there, like, you know what I mean? The carrots just yeah. almost in my hand and all these years of work, all this like convincing that this is what I was supposed to do. This is what's supposed to be happening. Um, it just, it slipped right out. And on top of that, my, my wife was pregnant. So we had our daughter on the way um, and everything's falling apart. Do you get depressed? Do you, uh, do you, are you down? Like, or are you at the time? Yeah. Oh God. Yes. But at the same time, I've always handled emotions and feelings. Like, I don't want to say compartmentalized, but I just was able to, for a lack of a better word, no sell it, I guess yeah. what we would say in our business. Right. Um, but I guess what made me feel like I wasn't so alone is you heard more stories coming out of this, right. you know, not being such an irregular thing, not being the only 22 year old diagnosed with CML. Um, so that kind of over the years definitely helped me and made me feel like, okay, there is, you know, other people who are dealing with what I'm dealing with. And that means I can possibly share my story and help. But yeah, that, that was kind of, I guess the big asterisk next to my football name, mm -hmm. that, that was like, it, it just felt like a death sentence. It felt like, you know, here's this pretty good football player. Like he had a good career. He's a, you know, good kid, good leader, good locker room guy, but mm, something's going on with his blood and then boom you just put that asterisk next to him well all right well we got these other kids that are both really good and let's give them a try they don't have that asterisk so uh from there i just had to shake and bake and you know i wanted to continue to play i went up to the cfl and it was just it's not into it no offense cfl yeah we love you canada <laughs> But football just was not the same. I was yeah. 320 pounds. Uh, they do a very spread out, you know, a yard neutral zone. Pretty much I was like 40 pounds too heavy to play in that league. Yeah. If I would have been my college self, right. I would have tore that place apart. I would have been all over quarterbacks all day long. But I was built to play the run at that point. Yeah. You know, I was getting ready for American football. And, you know, it, we run the ball first. Right. Maybe not now because of Mahomes. But anyways, that's all. <laughs> let's not go down that do road. You, do you miss playing? I think now that I'm in a very secure place with my career, I can honestly say, yeah, I do miss the game. I, I miss the idea of beating that guy in front of me or these two guys in front of me consistently. Like that, right. that competition, that pure competition of right before the play, like I'm, I'm sick and tired of this guy, mm -hmm. but I'm gonna beat you. Then we're gonna take a break. Then I'm gonna line back up and I'm gonna beat your ass again. I miss that. I miss like that domination feel, like where you're you're just so in the zone. Yeah. The only thing I can compare to it is when you can vibe with the crowd. Like that that is and it's not really the same, but it's that same control to where it's everything's working for you. Right. You know, there's a there's the weird like comparison within you know, pure competition sport, and then there's also like a realm of that within entertainment and sports entertainment. I don't know. It's, it's a weird crossover, but you have three kids, right? Three, uh, with, with two in the, in the oven. Yeah. Okay. So I'm looking oh. to be Papa bear of five. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, breaking news. We have yeah. shared that. Do yeah. you, if, 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 if any of them wanted to play uh, football, would you have a problem with it because of the, the high risk of injury? It's probably best that they don't play too early. Mm -hmm. Um, I played since I was seven. I, I remember moments that would not fly nowadays. Um, I remember moments where, whoa, smack you on the butt, get back in there, let's do it again, mm -hmm. great job. And it was a great play, but it stunned me and then yeah. they throw me back in. So I, I think there's different uh, scenarios that where we can take care of our kids. 
this doesn't just go for my children, for all kids. As, as they get older and they become more coachable, you can really explain the different techniques of hitting and how to protect yourself mm-hmm. and how to make those judgment calls of like, not coach, I'm not good. I need right. to pop out, like send in Sammy real quick because right. I need to go to the sideline. Um, back, the culture was just different back, yeah. in, back in my day. They'd um, call you a wimp if you didn't, yeah, like, you know, yeah. they get back in and it's yeah. like, that's not well, You don't want to play, you don't yeah. want to be a starter. Right, yeah. Go over there where the Gatorade is. Mm-hmm. Go get a go get a Gatorade stain on your jersey, opposed yeah. to the grass. So it, it was just a different culture. But I think it's it's far more. It's just more intelligent, and we have to take care of it because, as we've seen, you know, through these injuries, on, you know, all these different accounts, um, we have to protect our children. I want to support my kids. Right. I want them to be active. I want them to have discipline. I want them to be able to focus on something. And I think the best way to do that is within competition, within sports. Uh, but I don't think contact is necessary at a young age. I think I've met many football players that, yeah, I just started playing in high school and they're division one athletes. Yeah. I mean, we, I know Big E was uh, one mm-hmm. of our guys with the New Day. Yep. He didn't play until his, I mean, sophomore year maybe, freshman year I might be a little off there, but I don't think he played little league ball. He went D1, obviously a freak in the weight room yeah. and, and you know, just an incredible athlete. But there's a lot of guys like that. How has your training changed? It's clearly changed since college, I'm assuming. But how has it changed even since you were last diagnosed with uh, leukemia, which was in 2018? So I think, I guess the, the biggest general change within my training is just the mindset of it. Um, it was always, training was always just a tool for athletics and to become a better athlete. Mm-hmm. It wasn't ever like an aesthetic thing. It wasn't like, man, I want to look good naked. It wasn't ever just like, man, I want to look good at the beach. It was all like, I want to move that dude out of my way and then destroy the dude with the ball. It was always like, you know what I mean? I want to be the most explosive guy. I want Mm -hmm. to be the best, strongest athlete, you know, the most capable athlete on the field. And obviously in football, you're covered up. So it just wasn't a thing. Uh, So I think definitely my training now is just a lot more intuitive, you know, opposed to just like we, I, I think we talked a little bit earlier, opposed to just moving the bar and, you know, hitting these numbers, Mm -hmm. feeling the movement of the bar, feeling everything that I'm doing. So it's really weird, but at like 34, I'm still like learning how to connect to my body. It's, it's amazing. But even at this age and like the moment it's like, Oh crap, there it is. Like, Mm -hmm. Oh, that is like, it took me 30 reps of warming up and finally enough blood's in there. But now I can contract that every (laughs) single time. And the cool thing is you take your break and then you come back to it and it's trying to get that same feeling. It's trying to achieve that same situation and create that same contraction. So for me, it's no longer just, we're going to move, weight you know what I mean and and just be a man in there Mm -hmm. now it's more about just conditioning exhausting and just trying to connect to the muscle group as uh you know mentally as possible well it's also like you know when you're playing football that's what you want to do you want to move weight so you can toss people out of the way uh when you're performing in the ring that's a lot of running around a lot of like you 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 know are you training for that in the 80s and maybe 90s it was just about these just monsters right they were huge and and then and then you see they're still big dudes but they're just conditioned in a different way and they just they train differently to where they can still move so i think it elevates the product that way i think so and uh, you know it's a different product right uh we're not these outlandish characters and and i i love and respect every era of wrestling we're just in a more of a reality based competitive based um 
uh, product nowadays, but you know, we don't have it to where everybody has a mascot, right. a manager, a, like a animal theme of some sort, you know? So mm -hmm. it really, it's about putting all eyes on that championship, all eyes on who's going to be the winner, who, who can get to that top of the mountain, who right. can be that guy. But I think it's very important that you're able to keep up with the times. Mm -hmm. And I still think, you know, it's awesome to look good, but it has to translate within your movement, your action, right. uh, your storytelling. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, we want to have the biggest guys possible, but you got to be able to move. You know, yeah. you want to be athletic. You got you got to be able to sell. You got to you know, there's a lot of things that you have to do um, to be able to create that atmosphere to make them explode. Well, to become a superstar, you yeah. need you need all of it. You can't yeah. just if, if you're good on the mic, but you can't work, then you're not going to entertain. <laughs> so we did a really deep dive on this and we had our, our best researchers on it and we found some of the some of the personas that you turned down and i want to i want to see oh, okay. what you have to say and like why roman drains <laughs> i don't yeah, yeah. this is i see where you're I going mean, here i was you like know, you did like, some new, yeah all right. i get it it's it's not the most flattering is that a outfit. mustache yeah that's your, now we're talking <laughs> so okay gotta, yeah it's like not the most flattering and it also looks like your wrist is broken a little bit but i get why you turn this down it's a it's a retro thing it's just you're beyond it so plus it also is not high very, water pants not very nipple covers yeah what is <laughs> so this i get it well there's another one there's two more actually oh, okay. that we found and one one of them i, I understand why you may not want to be Roman mansplains because the beard is difficult Whoa. to <laughs> the glasses I think you'd look good with the haircut maybe but who wants to wade into that you'd have to you know you have to get all look at, look at my hair coming out of the so we still have my long hair in it yeah. and then we have this going on but then that's Chewbacca's beard yeah, I think it is. but yeah it's almost like uh what's the Pirates of the Caribbean where he has the tentacles coming out of his beard I don't know but Davy it, Jones I think it is yeah but you see how high our, our our budget is with our huge props right here yeah, like, I yeah, mean yeah. so um and then the last one and this is one I think was probably the most difficult for you purple rains would be the one oh, okay. that you just would how could you turn this down I mean, is it too retro is it too i don't know but this is i mean so this is the one that's this, probably gonna strike up on the internet this is, here. The, this is the one here yeah do you sing well because it's like that would have been yeah. tough to not pull off because i i don't know I, I don't have much of i a hit voice. that purple rain Purple rain. No, I thought that was a track. Little, little deep. Little, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it was a workout day. Workout day. But no, that was. It, uh, but that, that does actually lead me to a, a serious question about uh, your persona. Do, do you have a lot of, of say about it in terms of like how it, it evolved? Did you have those uh, those battles and and how do you deal with that? Do you sometimes just have to kind of take it and just run with what's given, or do you keep pushing? It's an it's a weekly thing. It really is. Um, we have writers, their job is to write us a script, you know, uh, but obviously if it's something that just doesn't feel right, as, a, as the performer who's in front of the red light, you have to adjust it, you have to make it work for you. Um, but I think every situation is differently. As a young performer who is trying to build that equity with Vince and, and you know, all, all the above, everybody that's kind of in that gorilla position watching and, and critiquing everything you're doing, I think you have to earn the keys to the car. So you don't, I mean, unless you just know I'm gonna go out there and just murder it. Can't nobody tell me anything different, mm -hmm. which is a huge gamble because it is live television. But if you got it, I say go for it, do your thing. Um, but my, my approach was to earn it every single week, consistently show them that I know what I'm doing. I can handle anything you throw at me, but I don't suggest that you just come in and do your own thing on your own from mm -hmm. the get go because 
in a weird light, this is the biggest team process I've ever been a part of. And like I said, this isn't one of those deals like football where we're competing and the man's n next to me on the same side. I've never been in a business where someone lays down for me. Like, dude, you're winning tonight, bro. Right. And I'm gonna make you, you know what I mean? Like that, that's a different type of relationship. That's a different type of respect. Um, and that's just a different type of, you know, work relationship. Now, uh, WrestleMania 36 is in Tampa on April 5th. Do you remember your first WrestleMania and do you still, you know, do, do you get nervous before any, any, all events and specifically that one because it is the biggest show of the year for WWE? Yeah, our first one was, uh, was in New York. Um, I believe it was 29. Uh, oddly enough though, the most nervous I think I've ever been was the six man we did, was it the next year? We did New Orleans. We had a six man in New Orleans against the New Age Outlaws and Kane. I don't, yeah. I don't know how that did. Yeah. <laughs> I'd have to go back and watch the film how they teamed up. But, um, but yeah, that was like a five, six minute match. I mean, the fastest match of all time. Is that why you were nervous? I was so nervous for that. I don't even know why. Huh. I have no clue why I was so nervous. I, I, I literally just had to blow a comeback. Just get in there and clothesline some, like a three different variations of clothesline and then like just get back to my, my two moves. But like, I was so nervous up in the concourse, wetting up. I like, we literally had a longer entrance than the match and I was terrified. I don't, I have no clue why. Yeah. Then I think the following year I was in the main event against Brock. You're fine. Chilling, huh. smooth, nothing, no, no. I think the thing with that was, I knew it was just gonna be real physical. Yeah. And I was like, I got physical. That's what you've been yeah, doing. Yeah, we, I mean, can, we can bang, yeah. you know what I'm saying? I, if he wants a hit, we'll hit. We'll go in there and smash. I don't care. And so after that, so after you guys go out there and beat the shit out of each other, and you both know you, you gave it everything you had and the match is awesome, is it like awesome work? Are you be like, nice work? Or is it is there a little bit of animosity? Like, yeah, you tagged me a little hard on that one, bro. Or uh, I think it's, I mean, it's all situational. Right. When you're with Brock, it's always a little different because yeah. it's Brock. Yeah. Um, but when you're in a main event scenario, it's yeah. all love. Hit me. You yeah. know what I mean? Do you recall any situation where somebody was just, you know, you're going in there and you're either, or maybe, maybe you were the person that did it, but it was just accidental, but, you know, a preventable accident? Yeah. Uh, not on this level. I, I think, you know, especially everybody that I work with everybody's so elite you know what i mean even down to just the timing like mm -hmm. at one at, there was one point uh in fcw uh i was working with another wrestler he was he was a veteran guy um and he had been around and he was fine but the the timing of it I, it was just something where i was turning around and he was just going to close hit me with a clothesline very simple like he rolled me up and i kicked out and i just working up and i'm going to hit him but he gets me and for whatever reason the timing just was not on point and my toe was in and when i went down i popped my meniscus you know because my toe was uh, tucked into the canvas and it was just one of those little things so it can be as minute as that and you get hurt it's always the simple things but i think on this level for the most part everybody's just so good yeah we, we don't usually have to worry about it. things happen and i mean it's not always perfect, but I've been very lucky to where no one's really got me. I think like maybe the worst is sometimes like if someone's getting you from behind right. and if, if you're just not ready or tight, you know yeah. what I mean? 
you know, when you get hit in the back of the neck, it's it's not, I mean, no matter what, it's not that safe. So. And I'm saying, yeah, like I know. I have no idea what it's like. I appreciate like. it. But yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm yeah. like, oh, yeah, dude, I told, yeah, totally. But it's like, it's I on point. don't know what it's like, but I can assume it never, it doesn't feel any better as time goes on, so. No, it doesn't, <laughs> but that's why this is so important. Right. Like, that's why the weight room, the maintenance, I mean, just being able to get in into a gym, warming your body up, because we've all done it before. You, how many times have you tried to just kind of get into the workout and then boom, stiffen up, like, mm -hmm. oh God, my back, oh, where yeah. did that not come from? But is that tough for you when you're on the road going to these gyms? Because people know WWE is in town and you know, it seems like it might be a hassle. I know that they're fans and, and they, they, they support you and everybody else that, that's on the roster, but man, that must be tough when all you want to do is get that workout in and get it, get it going and, you know, somebody, hundreds of people are showing up. It's, it's the best problem in the world. Right. Yeah, but even though it's a good one, it, it can be a problem. I think the, the hardest part with the gym especially is it's great the excitement to see us that's what i mean that's what we signed up for that's what we're looking to do is to create that buzz but it's also work so that's the only thing that's kind of tough and can be annoying is if you see us in there and we're mid-set just let it be yeah like, let it ride and most likely we're gonna get you right out i mean as soon as we're done and yeah. we're walking out let's do it um but like if i'm in it i just if you just let me because i gotta focus like if i don't i get distracted i yeah. start talking and then I just falls apart. It's all yeah, yeah. It's done, man. If I when I go in, I gotta. I mean, I need an hour and a half to just really set my mind to what I'm trying to do, get it done, and then I'm all yours after that. And I completely get it. If I can, I'll try to knock it out for you real quick. If yeah. not, it's only because I'm just so in it and I just can't. I know, but you're also not perfect. I mean, you know what I mean. Like, and that's the other thing. It's like, oh, well, he was a dick. Well, it's like you may have caught him at the wrong time, or maybe mm -hmm. you were rude. So it's that as well, and and. Yeah. Sometimes it, you have to remind people too. I'm just like you. Right. I'm a human. I know it, it. Yeah, you're just twice as big. I just yeah. have a bad. I'm ha or I'm having a bad day today. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like I'm, I'm just trying to fix it in my brain, and I'm not just. I'm not there yet. One thing I want to talk about is uh, your affiliation with the uh, LLS, the yeah. Leukemia Lymphoma Society. How'd you get involved with this? It seems really cool. Uh, it doesn't seem like a society people want to get into, but I think once you're in there, uh, to have that support and to have, you know, uh, especially somebody championing it like yourself, it must mean a ton to the kids in there, but it, in raising awareness to it. And uh, can you just explain a little bit about what it is that the uh, that, that does and how you got involved? So when I was going, uh, you know, when I took my leave of absence um, and I was going through, um, my recovery there were a bunch of little kids uh from the dallas uh children hospital and then also from pittsburgh as well that i had met just before i had left uh and we had just started working with them and it, it was uh pretty much i forget the exact name for it but it, it we were it was a it was a cool little thing where we were allowing them to become superstars. We were working with, they would create their superstar, their That's persona, cool. and then we would set up a stage in the hospital lobby and they would have entrances and they would just do That's their awesome. thing. They'd have music. It, it was really That's cool. Really and it cool. just, it would give them a little bit of time to distract themselves, create that little bit of escapism so they're not worried about, you know, their next chemo, right. their, you know, whatever sure. therapy they're going through. And so we started to really look at like who would be a, a good person, you know, what would be a good foundation, a good organization 
organization to work with. And there were just so many good ones, but it was just LLS that really stood out and just go diving in and researching them and just how much money they've actually raised. And that was like, that was the cool thing is like, they've literally raised billions, like a, like 1.3. My numbers are a little bit off, but like just so much money and yeah. put towards research. But nobody knows. Nobody, nobody knew. They didn't have, you know, com- commercials right. pushing them. So it was still kind of this secret. And what better way than WWE, like eight hours of content every week? Mm-hmm. That's a perfect situation with my story going on with me to be able to, you know, partner up with LLS to to be able to raise that awareness and put like, you know, uh, a face that can help some people, you know, that a face that's going through some stuff and provide a little bit of hope and connect these dots and connect these stories. I just thought this was a perfect situation. LLS has just been incredible to work with. Um, it, it, it was very flattering to be able to team up and, and work with the, the children's initiative um, because that's a huge thing right now is, you know, grownups like myself, we have, I think, over 40 different medications to choose from now. I mean, there's there's a lot of different breakthroughs going uh, going into blood cancers, but I think there's only one or two for children, because Jeez. because the disease reacts and, and mutates differently uh, within a child's blood, uh, and then with the medication and everything, and and not only just helping them within now, helping them thrive in their future, giving them a medication that's not going to, you know, it makes them well, but it also breaks them down. So we have to, yeah. we have to put a lot of research into creating these new medications to, to kind of benefit and be, uh, you know, specialized towards children and, and our youth, because otherwise, I mean, it's important that we save as many lives as possible, but if we're not saving our future, what right. are we focusing on here, you know? Yeah, and I know WWE has a history of, of working with, with charitable organizations. I know they do a lot with Make-A-Wish, and it's something that doesn't get mentioned enough, and I think it's it does say a lot about uh, just the talent that really does want to go out and make a difference. You know, it, it, it's one thing to, to entertain people and have them cheer for you or boo for you or whatever it is that you want, but to really make that impact is so, it's just really cool. WWE is so big. The recognition's just, it's there, you know? We're on TV every single week, and if you do it right and you stay consistent, you're on TV every single week. That's all I need. Mm -hmm. I I mean, that in its own right is such a blessing. And and, I mean, to be healthy, to be able to do what I love, to be active, to be able to make an impact like through my athleticism and stuff like that, and people to like dive into the creation of the story is great, but to be able to really connect and help people, that is far more fulfilling to help someone that's struggling with like a real factor in their life. I think it's important that, you know, when you've received that type of support and that type of love, you gotta pay it forward. Yeah. Quick left turn, um, because I don't want to keep you too long. I gotta talk about acting. You were in Hobbs and Shaw. Um, is that something you wanna to continue to do? And if so, like, do you have the perfect role in mind like that you would want? It was definitely um, a great experience, an awesome learning experience. It was nice I didn't fall down either. You yeah. Know, nobody, yeah, nobody bumped me, picked me up and threw me down. No body slams or nothing like that. So that was really impressive. Uh, and then also just to be able to see like everybody come together and create this shot. It was very similar to what we do in a different way, but to see that teamwork, like I talked about earlier, like everyone coming together to make it perfect. Like Dwayne, he was saying it, everyone on this set, everyone around, is here to make you look better, here to make the shot perfect, here to make the biggest star possible to tell the best story and create the best product possible. So there, there's something very uh, very addicting to that situation. Yeah, I feel like, I feel like it would be tough because you're, you're a big dude, 
And it's like you don't want to get pigeonholed as being like the menacing bouncer. You know what I mean? So yeah. do you yeah. do you right out of the gate take a take a role that's the opposite? Of that? Are you like the babysitter at like uh, you know like? A, so you see that a lot. I don't know. I mean, this is I guess this is more into the the strategy and the business of it. And I guess let's just use Dwayne as an example. He did that right like mm-hmm. when he first yeah he did that. He he showed his range and and the tooth fairy, all these different, you know, situations, all these different characters, but badass worked. Yeah. He came, I mean, as soon as he was like, let's get rid of the hair, let's, you know what I mean? And let's get even more jacked. He really just found that groove. And I, I do think there's an art to putting yourself out there and trying stuff, but then there's also something very smart about finding that box for yourself and mm-hmm. that niche and and he did that and I think um, you know it just all depends it yeah. depends if you want to be a superstar that draws a movie yeah. star that draws or you want to be an actor um, I don't mind both to be honest you know